Hi, this is Cliff Kriego for the picture-poems.com website in the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. This is the second in the little series of dialogue tapes I'm working on around one well, gee, it's not that recent uh, miniature. I think that one is from about um, six years ago. The Eagle of Freedom. Freedom to and freedom from. Well, let's place ourselves in natural place and time. It's um, about 13 hours natural time in tea. Sunday, May the 24th, 2020. And I'm once again down here at Heartbreak Meadow. So that's about uh, 14, 20 meters. And I'm working the ecotone. So I'm in a little niche, very protected area, even though you can probably hear this little bit of wind. And it's always wonderful to see um, to take the time to sit and look around in a place where you've never done field work before. And uh, to place ourselves in the ongoing climate crisis, we've now flipped, it's a kind of whiplash from the north side of a meandering jet stream in northeast Oregon to the south side. And it's radically uh, warming up as we speak. So the sun is coming and going. There's still quite a bit of moisture in the air, this just scattered cumulus clouds. But um, the ecotone, a nice word, that's the border between mixed conifer forest where I'm sitting and open meadow. And it is uh, entirely natural border line between two radically contrasting habitats, ecozones, whatever you want to call them. And uh, that's what gives it its infinite complexity or richness and what makes it especially worthy of protection 
and its sacred status. So, ego of freedom, freedom to and freedom from. Well, maybe a um, golden eagle will join in. There's a, a pair just to the left, to the uh, southeast of here, up on a ridge. By heavens, there's a gunshot there, but bear hunters around. So we're hunkering down here close to the ground. Um, but I wanted to look at, uh, for this second uh, dialogue uh, circle on the ego of freedom, I wanted to do, hit on three themes within that general area of the ego of freedom. Um, land, uh, money, and carbon footprint. Land, money, carbon footprint. So what is that all about? You know, the formal one, how does that go? Let me look here. So, it's pretty vernally uh, snow melt uh, wet. This is highly disturbed here. The cattle graze here three or four months of the year, but not now. It's more than a month away. So, the ego of freedom, I don't know if you remember that one, but I think it's one of those miniatures to live by that, um, not quite tongue-in-cheek, I kid uh, acquaintances, friends, philosophers, that uh, North America is destroying itself with a false idea of freedom. Um, now, how does that work? That's meant to be partly rhetorical. We're just looking at some old stumps here I've never seen before. These are some gram for very young, uh, mixed with ponderosa pine. Then there's some tobacco root, red root, Cheonosis velutinus. I use it for my revolutionary blend, native tobacco, punctuated by yellow violets. So, just kind of kidding, but actually I'm deadly serious because it's playing off right before our eyes. North Americans, especially in the U.S., are uh, very proud of their, in part, uh, proud history of freedom and defending freedom. Um, but at the same time, it's extraordinarily uh, confused when you start to look at it in more detail. Uh, because what freedom has uh, become over the years is simply the right to do anything I, as an individual, damn well please. That's the essence of the thing. And, um, well, there you have it, our three sub-themes of uh, land, uh, money, and carbon footprint. 
the more land and the more money and the more you're polluting the earth right down to ecocide, um, killing the entire uh, circle of life. Well, the more freedom you have, and uh, that goes together with all the perks and privileges of a uh, vast industrial uh, empire. Well, what I'm suggesting with the ego of freedom is that that's not freedom at all. It's a highly confused, sometimes deliberate, sometimes undeliberate, um, a form of tyranny. And just in the most general way to uh, talk about that, it's a form of extraordinarily uh, vicious uh, violence. So <clears throat> there's nothing free in it uh, uh, at all. It's a form of forced violence and control. And that can play itself out in, at a very low level, in uh, a small town, a family, uh, it's so we have a web of relationships somehow and it's not about the circle of the whole we don't consider that from that point of view relevant or important it's simply what I want to do and it's become now so extreme that if you have um the gall to question that freedom. Say like if a horde of uh, AT ATVs came ripping through the meadow or heaven forbid snow machines, uh, chainsaws or blubber butts as I call them, um, and you question that, well people just will tell you get the hell out of the way. And uh, there are reasons for that. So we're questioning that. And we're saying there are always two sides of freedom, just like an eagle. The eagle will only soar if freedom to and freedom from are in perfect balance. Still waiting for our golden eagle to make an appearance. Our sun is now behind a grayish, fluffy, white, scattered, cumulus cloud. So the air temperature isn't quite uh, as hot as it's going to get, so it gets quite cool once the sun is shaded from above. So the formal miniature of the ego of freedom, how does that go? My right to own a gun, I don't, but I'm just being rhetorical. My right to own a gun, so I'm referring to amendments and all that sort of thing. My right to own a gun has to be balanced by your right to be free from my gun violence. Your right to drive a car must be balanced 
I'm just improvising, must be balanced by my right to be free from your carbon pollution. And notice that the there is an asymmetry there. The freedom too is by and large of the individual or the collective acting as an individual. And freedom from, when we think of freedom from any form of pollution, noise, carbon pollution, arsenic, gold miners, and there's a lot of that going on, or mercury or whatever they, they're using now. Well, that's a uh, protecting the wider circle, the collective. So that gives an idea of what the ego of freedom is about. So it's a very general principle, and it's one of the bedrock principles of a real living democracy. And it might be worth pausing a moment for a little footnote that a vibrantly alive a democracy, there is a way of, you can even do that uh, quantitatively, of looking at that, that we're calling uh, truth and function. Like, I'm just uh, 20, 25 meters away from me is a youngish uh, uh, bull pine, black pine, ponderosa pine. They're very dark when they're younger. It's probably uh, 60, 70 years old or so. And there are many, many older uh, ponderosas here. It's the dominant signature tree of this part of the uh, dry northwest. But uh, I always tell people, well, it has 100% truth in function that it's grounded in truth, and it can only be grounded in truth. So that means everything that it's doing is honest and non-contradictory and not necessarily imbalanced, that's not what I mean. But it has to uh, be in harmony with the rules, laws, watercourse way Tao of the wider circle of the universe. So what I'm suggesting is that um, people, people, as the Native Americans say, or Homo sapiens, is the only exception that we know of that doesn't ground itself in truth, uh, potentially. And there is a very important, simple, yet complex at the same time, reason for that. And that's because humans, um, the wheel of thought, or the mechanical, violent, destructive uh, nature of thought and thinking that dominates consciousness at present, present 
runs off on its own and disregards the effects of not being grounded in truth, the pollution, the violence, the contradictions. And that's a very powerful form of both individual and collective illusion. I just heard a hermit thrush. But it's very far away. But it's enough to make me stand right up. Ah. Yes. Yes. That's the first one. Okay, May the 24th. You see, I wasn't working here last year, so I didn't... And they didn't... Uh, come back as expected and um, so it's very important to uh, make note of the uh, yeah so we'll keep walking over this way and see if we can get closer so I didn't mean to be but it's a joyful interruption here yes Wonderful. Well, let's get back to our eagle of freedom. Maybe you'll come in closer. So you can hear it starting to dry out. And don't forget we've had a solid week of rain. So I'm walking through a little understory grove of Arnica, Arnica cordifolia. So... Rubbing it on a sore, overworked muscle there. Gotta keep track of the camera equipment so I can. Okay, we were sitting under a ponderosa, and there's a grand for growing a little bit too close to it. So, Eagle of Freedom. And that uh, truth and function in democracy in the U.S. now is getting very close to zero. And um, one of the reasons, the primary reason, is our collective individual ignorance of this movement of the... Uh, very divisive, destructive nature of thought. That's an ATV. <laughs> yes, the road is open, it's a dirt road. Let's come up here. So there are people prowling around, they could be hunters and... Uh, you see, now that... Uh, uh, we can look at that as the ego of freedom. How did it become permitted that the uh, 
nature and we're right on the border of a wilderness becomes the play area for dirt bikes. Of course, we always realize that people have their uh, idiosyncratic ways of having fun and recreating <laughs> with guns and all kinds of devices. So if there's enough space, uh, I guess they have to be allowed to go at it. But the idea, see that hermit thrush will just disappear with something like that. But it's one of the things, if you're on foot, that you can meditate on because they uh, they won't they won't see us. That um, uh, so what you are suffering, with, if you have sensitive ears and whatnot, is what the rest of the circle of life suffers. Suffers. Another one. They can drive true to abreast. When I'm on my uh, mountain bike home office outfit, um, I frequently have had kids not much older than 12 or 13, 14 run me right off the road. It's amazing. So 100% truth and function, that's our great uh, ponderosa pine the signature species of the Northwest in the whole of the circle of life. And really what we've done is we've excommunicated our, ourselves, ostracized ourselves, not necessarily voluntarily, but because of a, a very uh, deep uh, cultural and individual ignorance. So uh, what I'm saying is that the primary, let's pick up the tempo, um, intention, the reason of being, of education, is to lift the veil on that ignorance, to become aware of it, but not just once. It's like the balance of a bicycle, that you're always doing it. We're doing it right now as we speak. So that truth and function, when it comes to democracy, in my view, that's such a crucial concept. You can't even possibly talk about democracy or freedom if you don't have it. Freedom of what? And obviously, if it's leading to ecocide, that is the total uh, extermination of the whole circle of life, well, it's not uh, a freedom at all. It's just a form of violence and tyranny. So the ego of freedom, money, land, land, money, and carbon. So it's always going to have to do with uh, limit. Another thing I frequently talk with colleagues about is uh, our lack of a sense of natural limit. When is it right to cut down a tree to thin a forest? To do to inter, uh, interact in any way 
with the circle of life? And how much of that is uh, ethically uh, justifiable? So our first theme, you can kind of sense where we're going to, uh, is uh, limit with uh, the way it is now in uh, the U.S. is that uh, you have the right to own and then therefore do whatever you want to uh, as much land as you want. Um, that varies, of course, from area to area, and of course, uh, they're not making new land, so uh, um, there's a limited supply. But if you have the money, I mean, there are famous examples like the founder and, uh, of CNN, Ted Turner, and many, many others. Um, there are local examples here in the very area where I'm sitting at of little Ted Turners, but we're not going to um, go into that. But um, it's really when you step back from it, the circle of life, The thought experiment we can do, okay, we have this dialogue circle. Say there are uh, ten of us sitting in a circle. And we have our dialogue fire in the middle and there's no hurry. But we have ten people. And we have, uh, we're in a dry area. And we only have uh, ten liters of water. Well, we all immediately know in our natural sense of balance, justice, and ethics that, uh, well, <laughs> each of us gets one liter of water, right? Now, uh, that seems like it's in such an obvious example, but keep that in mind. Because a lot of these things were so deeply conditioned that we don't see uh, how they uh, happen and how much mischief they uh, create. So now um, we have to have a culture that has the concept of uh, private uh, property. So first we need that. We're not saying whether it's good or bad, and we're not worried about legacy. We just want to understand what it means. And um, I don't know of any books, but I'm sure there are many. If you have any suggestions, I'm very eager to be doing a little bit of research and study in that era, area. Is the um, history uh, worldwide of the concept of... Uh, the cultural history of uh, private property. So first you have that concept, and of course in, in Protestant uh, cultures, English-speaking, um, that's a very rich and dominant uh, tradition. Uh, property rights are just up there with gun rights. Um, and we're not saying it's good or bad, but we want to understand, well, what are the limits of those rights? And what do they do? And then as our thought experiment, we take it back to our circle. We have 10 people, so everybody has this happily has their 10 liters of 
chilled, uh, purified water in a dry area. And then um, we're going to be staying there for 10 years, say. And there's only 100 hectares. And following our first example, so we say, well, okay, uh, we can do our division. <laughs> and so everybody's going to get their parcel. <laughs> but notice, if you don't have the, the concept of private, that means individual, then you would say, well, we own this or work this or do whatever with it for those 10 years collectively. So we don't subdivide it. But if we say, no, no, without even thinking, I have to have my private, and uh, Pete has to have his and Sally hers, and uh, so we're going to subdivide it. But then it, we still have our radical equality. Yes, there it is. Do you hear it there? See, for a while when those ATVs pass through, they uh, will remain silent. And there's a limit to that, too. If it becomes too noisy, then it becomes like London. This is our first anecdote. I'll never forget uh, some years ago visiting in a suburb of London how contorted and misfigured one of the greatest musicians of Europe, the, uh, the Merrill, the Blackbird, um, the European Blackbird. Uh, all out of tune, singing at higher pitches in the middle of the night. I, I, I had never, and I was coming from the Alps. So that's how they were dealing with all the noise and commotion of uh, suburban, urban life there. So limit. So we've divided our land. We've just assumed, maybe we talked about it, maybe we didn't, private, private land. But you got to have that first, that's important. So everybody gets their 10 hectares. That's a lot of land. Well, what I'm suggesting is in the wider culture, there is no such limit and there's no sense of equality. It's a uh, free-for-all. <laughs> And uh, so the bully of money uh, prevails. And so now you're getting a sense of how deadly destructive a false idea of freedom. That means a freedom that knows no limits. Uh, you just uh, a few, like a, a couple of amendments that were written centuries ago. Um, but that's not, that kind of freedom has zero truth and function, because it will lead to violence and mischief of every kind and description further downstream. It's like a stream that's being perennially polluted by a bad idea that we haven't taken the time to look at. Why don't we? Well, that's because of another failure of the failure of education. the failure of not seeing the urgency of doing philosophy like we're doing right now 
as a kind of yoga Alexander technique practice every day. You're looking at things. Like uh, tuning your lyre. So you listen and listen, and then you play and forget about it. So we're not playing, we're tuning right here. As we listen to the one of the greatest musicians we have here, the hermit thrush. Notice that if you do do the circle and the square as a poet, dancer, or musician, that um, they have a perfect balance of simple, very pure tones. He's singing two tones in unison. They have two vocal cords. And then he does a flourish. Don't call it a riff. It's not a riff. It's a flourish that spirals out in shimmering uh, infinite complexity. So it's a very nice uh, prototype of simplexity cycle. And notice it always sounds right, but you can never really predict which tone shall be the initial two pure tone. Is it going to go up? Is it going to go down? And then you become more and more specific if you want to, for fun. So limit, natural limit. So now, say I have a billion dollars. We're going to be talking about that. And maybe we'll get to that now uh, with this circle. But, um, well, you can get an awful lot of land. <laughs> and obviously, as the great Japanese, uh, I think I... Uh, first uh, read it there in the One Straw Revolution, the Fukuoka marvelous classic of organic uh, farming, bringing farming back to the ground of truth, getting it right up to 100% truth and function. Well, you can uh, only know the land, uh, the, the, the best fertilizer is the boots of the farmer. So we're doing that right now. And like Thoreau said, you can only know the land you can walk in a day, and we're doing that right now too. But uh, if you've already gone into the runaway of having a billion dollars, it used to be a million, but now a billion. Um, well, uh, so we'll go back to our circle. So we've partitioned our water. We have 10 liters of water. Everybody, we've assumed private property. Everybody has 10 hectares. Um, well, now the billionaire comes in and all of a sudden uh, he or she has nine liters of water. <laughs> and... Uh, 90 hectares of the land. And if that, now just imagine that happening right in this circle right here, right now. Everybody would be totally outraged. I said, who the hell do you think you are? Right? And then what do you, uh, uh, um, you would have to have an army of warriors and guns and a military and 
Uh, the only way that people would naturally accept that uh, is by use of force. Because it's just an insult to our sense of balance and justice. Right? I think we can see that now. <laughs> but you can see when things happen very, very slowly over decades and centuries of corruption and failures of all kinds, of democracy, of education. Education is the key thing. So we're reinventing, rediscovering, learning to learn here in the circle, in the square, in picture poems. And the primary task is the teacher of teachers for a revolution of thought and consciousness. So we're questioning all of this stuff. And it always comes back to natural limit that stops unnecessary violence. So all of a sudden this uh, billionaire has to go through some radical re-education. <laughs> so even they can have as much money as they want, but they only have a right in the eagle of freedom to 10 hectares, one liter of water. Notice that the water example, that's life and death. Our most primary relationship was, is with living water. So, uh, when you want to get to the source of violence, you go to the source of the pollution of the stream. And we're saying that source is thought itself. So we're looking at this. Now, it's not my intention right here, right now. It's getting a little bit chilly, so I'm going to keep moving around just a little bit. It's not my intention to suggest to political reform. That's all very much further downstream. What's much more important is to get the essence of the thing clear. And, um, well, it's ethically um, unjustifiable to have no natural limit on uh, the amount of private property one has a right to, to own. And just in this place where I'm walking around standing, that uh, there used to be a limit with the uh, Homestead Act back coming out of the 1860s, I believe. But that's, uh, I don't want to go into any details here. But it was considered uh, a sizable chunk of land to have uh, uh, 40, 50 hectares or so. And... Um, um, we need to get a sense of to reinvent what uh, the appropriate natural limit would be and to liberate um, this land use and private property from the idea that you have a right. No, you do not have a right, the earth says. First and foremost, you not only abuse the land, because we can know we just heard that. Uh, your boots are the best fertilizer, and you can only know, so we're walking with the road of the land, walking over a cushion, overleaf buckwheat, with some antenarian pussy things. Uh, 
There's some Oregon checker mouths just coming up. Hoping for a little bit of sunshine here. Oh, there's a uh, Brown's uh, Peony. The one that was so-called discovered by um, David Douglas in 1826. And imagine that uh, commitment. He's over here for the Royal Botanical Society. So I'm looking at the flower, but those seeds aren't ripe. So he'll make a note, and he actually did do this, that uh, returned to the same area months later to harvest the ripened seeds. Think of that. That kind of patience. Well, um, so the amount of land, we're questioning the whole thing. Well, uh, here, in a, uh, just as an example, because there's no limit at all, in every country is going to be different. Where I've worked in the Alps and Switzerland tradition, it's very, very different. You don't have the right at all as a foreigner to come in and buy up land. And for very good reason, because here what's happened is people come in, we're not criticizing, but, you know, they'll very quickly bought up more than half of the land. So if you're a young person or somebody coming in from outside that wants to start an organic uh, permaculture homestead or whatever, well, you have absolutely no chance. Um, even people with infinite resources don't have a chance because once it's all totally bought up, so this just one one dude comes in <laughs> with pocketfuls of cash and just buys up the whole damn thing and then runs the whole show. Well, that's... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the dictatorship, that has nothing to do with freedom. And that's why it's so destructive. That will certainly destroy, in my view. It will take that democracy and just rip it to shreds into uh, zero truth and function. So don't take my word for it. Imagine, go back to the pure simplicity and crystalline clarity of sitting in that dialogue circle with ten people and subdividing that ten liters of water freely, fairly, equitably. Kids, in a way, don't have to be taught this because it's a natural. They have to be taught the other thing of how to be a bully, a billionaire bully and take uh, more than their right and proper share. And notice I'm not going to use the classical words of private property resources. It's what you're doing of life. So now we got an idea about the ego of freedom with land. Our second theme is money, which should be obvious in a way. Like the um, piece, I'll put a link. Hold on a second. I'll put a link to that. It's uh, called Epigram, and it's the third movement. It's the, called the money movement. Um, 
and it's a uh, based on a miniature that's if you're doing the talking hands talking feet it's a 2020 miniature um let's see how does that go uh, money is movement that's always going in the wrong direction i'll just do it very quickly money is a movement that always seems to be going in the wrong direction compound interest is compound um how does that go Oh, yeah. Compound interest is the engine. No, no, no. <laughs> you see, some, sometimes you have to practice, but you never do this in public, right? <laughs> so forgive me. Um, oh, yeah. Debt is the engine. Debt is the engine. And compound interest is seemingly inexhaustible fuel. So you can see why this is related to, and the music is related to the eagle of freedom, right? And you see how easily you can take one miniature, if it has one idea, one image, one new way of thinking, and you bring that down to its essence, and then you unfold the meaning of that essence. But the key thing is that crystalline idea. And you're always asking, is that true? And it's always, uh, truth is never absolute in that sense, so it's always going to be uh, only uh, partly true, right? But you want to get it as good and as sharp and as clear as possible. And especially, you want to get out of the confusion you find yourself in because of the culture you uh, uh, were born into. The native cultures in this very area, the Nimipu, well, they had no concept of private property. So just two, three, four hundred years ago. So there are a lot of trees that are that old around here. So there was no sense of private property. There was a sense of resonance with the land and rights to be working it and hunting it and whatnot. But this whole idea of subdivisions and separate houses and uh, separate families, and now it's gotten to the point that even a, hardly an individual is whole anymore in their little bunkers. So it's become more and more fragmented, more and more extreme. So money. Well, uh, money is a very necessary but also dangerous thing. Especially if you allow, and that's not a given, for something like compound interest. So at 5%, seven years, that $1 billion becomes $2 billion. And, and you know, it, <laughs> pretty soon uh, there's not going to be enough. And so we're sitting in our circle. And uh, that money's going to be shared equally 
ethically that is the right thing. And obviously in the United States, it's exactly the way, other way around. And that's why it's so destructive and imbalanced. That you have a right to have as much money as you, the more money, the better. And um, so there's no ethical dimension to it at all. And if the system is inherently corrupt and corrupting, that's not the point of our dialogue right now. It's just the mathematics of compound interest. It, it, there's, it implies infinite expansion. I don't want to use, we're sitting in a natural circle. I'm looking, there's another ponderosa pine that's only a few years old. Where did our hermit thrush go? See, we're sharing all of that. Well, um, so you can see where it's going, that uh, searching for natural limits. So that just like uh, what private property means, there's no nothing necessary about having a system with interest of any kind. What Aristotle appropriately called, see there's another ATV going the opposite direction. Money, parenting money. Just made out of nothing. So, uh, our last theme, and this is going to be harder, so let's get to it, is carbon footprint. So now we're back in our circle. And again, I just want to touch on these things, and each one deserves a, a book-length monograph to really go into it and to lay out the way of looking. Not just It's not a, just a question, it's important, of uh, consistency and logic. Um, but it's with that truth and function, is that if it's doing harm to the wider circle of life, then it's not right. And we're in a culture that is committing all-out ecocide. <laughs> so that means we're destroying everything. That's my view. So we're throwing in, don't take my word for it, um, just with the weapons that we've had for almost 80 years now. That would be enough. But now we're uh, looking not at war against ourselves, but our war against nature with climate crisis. So we're back in our circle. We've divided the water, one liter. We've divided the land, uh, 10 hectares. And now we have to divide how much carbon or carbon dioxide, we have a right to put up into the atmosphere. So that's related to a rate of uh, energy use. A rate of energy use. 
That was a speaker turning itself off. Wonder of wonders. So let's wrap that up with that. A rate of energy use. Well, I'll do this very quickly. This deserves a whole nother um, dialogue circle. But what is it? Our, um, the amount of energy uh, planet, Earth, people, people, humans use. What is it? It's 15 um, terawatts. So if you subdivide that, that's a rate of use of power. So if you subdivide that in 7 billion people, it works out to about uh, uh, 22,000 watts. So we all know, I'll just do this very quickly, that the basic human metabolism is uh, said to be about 100 watts. That's the rate of the use of energy. So that means, uh, as I sit here, um, or other people until very recently have always lived, you use the energy that you're making, right? And so you're wildcrafting out here, hunting or doing whatever. Um, but you have a, a, compared to the contemporary use of energy, a very modest budget. Again, the details aren't important, but we're saying we're all a 100-watt bulb. So we're sitting in our circle, and the light goes on. Okay, everybody knows what a 100-watt bulb is. So how much energy? So we're talking about limits, and we know that we're putting too much carbon up into the air, and that's causing an increase of carbon dioxide. So we're almost at 418 parts uh, per million now. That's an increase of some 60% in the past 30 years. And even if we were to stop all carbon emissions, again, just very light-footed quickly, without going into detail, well, uh, like the much repeated goals of 2 degrees centigrade or 1.5 degrees centigrade of limit uh, by reducing carbon. You see, it starts to sound like you win speak. Um, well, we've already exceeded that, in my view. So we're getting serious in our circle. And again, it's a life and death issue, in my view, just like that water. But of course, if the water is just coming out of the tap, and we don't know what it is like to walk on foot through a semi-arid, almost desert district where water takes on a highway, um, new significant meaning. Well, that's how, in my view, we should start to think about our carbon footprint with that kind of urgency. So we're looking at each other. We all know we're using 100 watts, whether we like it or not. Now, how much... Can we expand that? Well, if we look at the, the whole circle of people on Earth, we, if we distribute energy equitably, everybody has a right to 2,000 watts. So that's 20, 20, 100 watt bulbs. 
And the way of talking about this is that 100 watts becomes an energy servant. So if I have 200 watts, I have two Cliff Kriegos. And if I have 10 100 watts, I have 10. And if I have 20, the 2,000 watts, I have 20 Cliff Kriegos working around the clock. So if I were to give them eight-hour shifts, I'd have to multiply that by three. So I'd have 60 Cliff Kriegos all working for me, doing my bidding with a 2,000-watt equitable distribution of the rate at which we use energy within our circle of life on planet Earth. Imagine having 60 people working for you. Another more forceful way, I don't prefer that, but just so that you know the expression is, you can call them energy slaves. So 60 energy servants. Well, where I sit now, uh, those 10 people in our dialogue circle have an average use of, of five, perhaps even 10 times that. 10,000 watts, 15,000 watts. So they would have 100 energy servants, 300 if we amplify it, living in their private property with a four, well, you can get where we're going. So there's four, 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 the numbers just multiply. It's when you really become aware of the amount, the rate of energy we're using, it takes your breath away. And also, we're back in our circle. So now we've, we've re-educated our billionaire and redistributed land and money. But now he or she thinks they have a right to that um, 10,000 watts, 10 kilowatts, 15 kilowatts, 20 kilowatts. And... Uh, well, that is basically the present situation with the United States, less than 5% of the world population, using 25% of uh, the amount of available energy. And don't forget, natural limit is always in the background because the whole point of talking about carbon is that it's driving us into ecocide as we speak. That's very simple science. Without carbon dioxide as a greenhouse gas, uh, planet Earth would almost be uninhabitable like Mars. Um, the natural temperature just very quickly um, with the energy we get from the sun without that atmosphere it's, it's easy to remember it's uh, zero degrees Fahrenheit 18, minus 18 degrees uh, centigrade.
I only remember that tongue-in-cheek because that's uh, one of the um, winter sleeping bags I use is rated to that. So minus 18 is pretty cold. <laughs> without an atmosphere, without carbon. So it's a very simple principle. There's, <laughs> there's no... Uh, it's a very simple theory, just as simple in a way as gravity is just part of our uh, uh, scientific map of the Earth and the living universe. So, in our circle, it's taken our breath away. We got the water figured out. We got the land use. We got the money figured out. And now all of a sudden, we must question the rate at which we're using energy. And um, that's something for many people, in Western countries especially, uh, that is new. And uh, so I want to wrap it up with that. And much has been written about this. This is uh, there's a whole movement in Europe called the 2000 Watt Society, that's based on uh, energy uh, rate of use uh, equality. And believe me, um, I would feel very privileged to use that much energy. And uh, in set in terms of attention. You see, listen to that ATB. Now, I can guarantee you, <laughs> we could walk out in the street and stop the guy. Put my hand up. Don't forget he's carrying a, a high caliber weapon to kill bears. And so we're going to stop and say, well, do you realize how much... <laughs> how much energy that thing uses. And uh, it goes so against the grain of U.S. conditioning and this false idea of freedom to question that. He or she would definitely much prefer to run you right over. <laughs> And they don't want to question it. And that's the power. That's, a, that's all right. <laughs> that's just a brother or a sister that has uh, lost their sense of natural limit. So we're questioning that. But the whole culture is that ATV. And it's straight off the cliff of ecocide. So what will stop that, in my view, is a radical saying no, first and foremost, of the individual by becoming aware of the violence of thought. So you say no to all violence. And that happens right here, right now. I don't want to destroy the atmosphere. I don't want to send the climate 
into all these tipping points and runaways. What right do I have to do that? What right does any country have to do that? Just to make money with selling coal to the world? Selling more gasoline? Fracking more oil wells? That's economy? The economy of ecocide? Those nuclear weapons? Well, it'd be nice if our hermit thrush would make uh, another guest appearance, but it's a moment of great joy when they come back, so we'll write that in our Nature Diary journal the uh, Sunday the 24th is when they came back from Lord knows where. And don't forget, they make an honest living up here. We don't. And they have 100% truth and function. We don't. But we can say no together. And that's mighty powerful. Okay, thanks for listening. And I'll put a link to that piece. It's one of the best pieces I think uh, we did in 2018. And it honors many people, Igor Stravinsky, Frank Zappa. It even has two guitars in it, which is very unusual for me, and a drum, two, two drum sets, that's unusual too. Money is a movement that's always going in the wrong direction. That is the engine, compound interest. It's seemingly inexhaustible fuel. This is Cliff, signing off. Ciao for now. <laughs>